Now this morning, we have a guest speaker in our congregation, Dwight Clow, who's the author of 30 or 40 books of spirituality, and he does a number of videos on the same subjects. And Dwight is going to talk to us this morning about heaven. So, Dwight. Pastor Bill, thank you for having me here. Well, what an honor to be here with each of you. Beautiful church, beautiful place, beautiful people. Um, I know we've prayed, but if you don't mind, I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord Jesus, would it be okay with you if you just hung out with us for a few minutes? I mean, we would really like that. In your name, amen. Well, my sermon title is Imagining Heaven. And as our passage today suggests, what you see is not what you get. Uh, the core of faith is that God has something better for his people. And so I just want to take a few minutes and imagine heaven with you. But I'm not going to start in heaven. I'm going to start in Carolina Beach, North Carolina. And I'm going to start in the 1960s. This was before money got to the coast. And it was all dirt roads and alligators and these mosquito trucks that would go through the neighborhoods, followed by a long line of bicycles, just breathing in that sweet-smelling DDT. <laughs> and uh, it was there, I was 9, 10, 11 years old, in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, that my parents got me this collection of Bible story books. And I just devoured them. And there was one story in particular that just captured my imagination. It was the story of Enoch, the man who walked with God. And Enoch walked with God, and according to the story, he was walking with God, and one day he stepped off the edge of this earth into eternity. And I decided way back then that I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be a man who walked with God. That was my life's ambition. That's what I wanted to accomplish in life. Now, for those of you who are more practical than I am, and that would probably include all of you. Uh, walking with God doesn't pay very much. And even though I've worked since high school uh, continuously, uh, it seems like money has taken one look at me for much of my life and ran in the other direction. I found out that some of you uh, <coughs> have been, or maybe still are, farmers, and so farmers understand something that wage earners probably don't understand. And that is, you can work an entire year really hard and not make a cent. 
Well, that has happened to me. Okay? It wasn't a farmer, but it's happened to me. So anyway, uh, during one of these seasons when money was just kind of running in the other direction, and every month it was a miracle that I could pay my bills, the sump pump went out. And so I am saying to God, God, I don't even really have the money to pay my bills. What am I going to do about this sump pump? Would you please fix the sump pump? Now I talk to God. He talks to me. Call me loony. I don't care. It's fine. And I felt like God said to me, no, I'm not going to fix your sump pump. You're going to go out and buy a sump pump. And so I said, okay, okay, I'll buy a sump pump. But could you please give me a sump pump for under $100? So I went down to Menards. And I got to the sump pump department. And there on the shelf was a sump pump for $99.99. So I said to the lady that was working in the department, is this any good? She says, yeah, this is good. I would put this in my house. So I took it up to the register, and it rings up for $119. And I said, wait a second. On the shelf, it's $99.99. And so they went back and investigated, and they said, sure enough, it does say that. We made some kind of mistake. We'll give it to you for $99.99 uh, instead of $119. So I installed the sump pump, and I walked upstairs, checked my mail, and there in the mail was a check for $111. Just completely out of the blue, completely unexpected. And I'll tell you another story, and then I'll start to explain why I'm telling you these stories. Uh, I'm not a kind of person who has visions. I've only really had one. And um, this is when one of my sons was leaving to go to Milwaukee to go to a concert. And as he's leaving, I had a vision of him in a hospital room as a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down. And I didn't want that to happen to my son, and I'm not a real good prayer, but you know, I just prayed, God, I don't want that to happen to my son. Please don't let that happen. Anyway, 1.30 in the morning, the phone call came. The car that my son was in hit a patch of black ice on the interstate. It jumped a fence, it rolled several times, and it came to rest at the edge of a lake. And all four people in that car stepped out and walked away without a scratch. You know, I think if you drill down deep enough in each person, there is a secret fear that God is a monster. I really do. I think if you drill down deep enough. And so anyway, I'll just tell you a little story about that. I was, again, having money problems. I'm behind in my mortgage. And like 60 days behind, I started to get nasty phone calls from the bank. And it was all just really uncomfortable. Matter of fact, I was terrified because I had four little children and I just had visions of them 
and my wife and me out on the street with no place to go. And so, anyway, I've learned that when you have problems like this, you can do one of two things. I am eventually going to drink some water. But you can do one of two things. You can run toward God or you can run away from him. So I thought, okay, I better run toward God. And so I'm processing this with God. And I have no doubt that God could provide. You know, remember the song, God knows how to provide. But I just figured he wasn't going to. Because I had done something wrong. I had screwed up somehow. And God was going to just say, Dwight, you've made your bed. You have to lie on it. Uh, You messed this up. You have to deal with the consequences. So anyway, I'm processing all of this with God. And uh, I end up in this memory. I was eight years old. My dad was in the military. He was deployed at a remote location for a year. And we couldn't be with him. And he was coming home. Anyway, while he was gone as an eight-year-old boy, I wanted to pretend that I could build things, just like my dad. And um, so I went out in the garage, and I got his tools out, and just pretended that I was building stuff, you know, like a little boy would do. The only problem is that my dad was very persnickety about how his tools were to be put away. And I did not understand his system. And uh, it was not a good idea to get my dad upset. And so instead of being excited to see my dad who had been away for a year, I was terrified. And anyway, God spoke to me and he said, you know something, Dwight? said, your dad did the best he could with the parenting tools that were in his parenting toolbox. But I'm a different kind of dad, and I have different tools in my parenting toolbox. And when you mess up, I don't leave you to hang out and dry. I come beside you, and I coach you and I help you, and um, that's what I'm going to do here. And I tell you, that just changed everything. I was still two months behind in my mortgage. I couldn't pay my bills, but I was excited. I wasn't scared anymore. I could sleep at night during the day. I could focus. I could do the things that I needed to do. And, you know, for the next couple of weeks, nothing changed, but I changed. I was different inside because God was no longer this monster who was trying to punish me. He was my friend. He was my coach. He was my dad who loved me. And um, anyway, a couple weeks later, I honestly don't even remember what happened. I got a new client and money came in somehow. Got all caught up in my mortgage, got all caught up in my bills, and I was fine. So anyway, in the midst of all of this, I made a discovery as I'm going through this journey of walking with God, you know, I always knew that God loved me. I mean, he has to, right? It's in his job description. I always figured it was kind of like God's castor oil. You know, I got to love Dwight Cloud. But then I discovered something. I discovered that God likes me. 
that he likes hanging out with me. And this was just like amazing to me. I had no idea. It took me a year just to take that in, that God likes me. And so, anyway, I'll tell you one more story, and two more quick stories. Quick stories. Now get to my point, and I will sit down. Okay, the first one is I had this really weird, probably all my experiences are weird, but I had this really weird experience once. Uh, do you, do any of you remember Old Country Buffet out by East Town? Okay, well, I was in Old Country Buffet, and I was carrying this plate of food from the buffet back to my table, and all of a sudden, I felt this enormous love for every single person in the restaurant. Now, don't worry, I didn't do anything weird. I didn't go around hugging people or say, I love you, I love you. But I just like, I was just like in, in wonder. I was just, I, every person I looked at, I just felt the love of God for that person. And it said something to me. It said, God can take even mean, ornery old Dwight and transform him into a different person, into a loving and wise person. Okay, last story. Now get to the point and, uh, and we'll go on. I had a dream once. And uh, in this dream, the sky was opening, heaven was opening. And I knew at the next moment, I would see God. And I thought I would be afraid. But I wasn't afraid. I was like, we no longer have the word in our culture for it, but it was awe. It was a wonder. You know, our culture is too jaded and sophisticated to have those emotions anymore. But I was filled with awe, edge of the Grand Canyon awe, only multiplied a thousand times. And my takeaway from that dream is that when we die, we don't think of ourselves as dying. We think of ourselves as going to God. So, anyway, imagining heaven. What will heaven be like? I brought along a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to tell you. But Pastor Bill said, keep it a 12-minute story. So I'm, I'm going to skip all of that, and I'm going to say two things. We know two things from the Bible and from common sense. Okay? The first thing we know is that heaven is God's home. If you like God, you're going to like heaven. If you don't like God, probably not going to like heaven. Heaven is God's home. And... Um, the second thing that we know is that we will be changed. We won't be quite the same people that we are today. Just like Dwight 2.0 in Old Country Buffet, we will be filled with love for one another. Pastor Bill talked about politics briefly. Uh, we just went through an election. Maybe you're happy, maybe you're angry, maybe you're sad. I don't know. But I do know this, that in heaven, there are former slave owners and former civil rights leaders 
who live side by side, and they're not only okay with each other, they're like best buddies. Now, how is that? Why is that? It's because we'll be changed. We'll be different. And I... Listen, I'll just make a plug for one of my books, okay? Shameless plug, middle of the sermon. I thought about that for a long time, and I wrote a book, End the Divide, which I'm going to give to your pastor. And I'm just going to say this. What I look forward to in heaven. I have children in heaven. I am really looking forward to being reunited with them. I just imagine like this bench up on the top of a bluff overlooking the ocean and just sitting down with them and hearing the story of their lives. I'm looking forward to saying to my dad something I never managed to say while he was alive, but I'm really glad that he was my dad. I'm I'm looking forward to talking to angels, you know? How are these beings so old and so young at the same time? I never got my pilot's license. I'm looking forward to getting heaven's version of a pilot's license. And I'm looking forward to having some long walks with Jesus. So that's what I like to do. Anyway, final point. 200 years from now, we're not going to be here. We're going to be there. And I am just inviting each one of you over to my place in heaven. We're going to hang out for a day, do whatever you want, unless it's gardening, in which case we'll have to get my wife involved because I hate gardening. So anyway, thank you so much. Much love to all of you. Thanks, Pastor Bill, for letting me be here. Thank you, Dwight. Let us continue with our Father in heaven. We do lift our prayers for those people we know and love and for those people we just heard about who are suffering distress right now. We pray for all those who are hungry and homeless and victims of wars and natural disasters. We pray for those who are institutionalized with with medical cares, with mental health problems, need for mission care, we pray for them all. We pray for all who suffer. We pray for all those who help, for the police officers and firefighters and the medical personnel and the utility workers, for our farmers, our teachers, our merchants, and for all those who give of themselves to make this a safer and better world. We pray for our president, for our governor, for all the men and women in our armed forces. We pray for one another as we remember the words that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.